Hello and welcome to Best of London and thank you for listening. Each week I ask a guest seven questions including what's your best London venue, event, place to eat, area and London life hack. You'll find out the best things to do and places to go. Our guest this week is one of the UK and Ireland's funniest comedians. The Irish Times said seeing him perform is like watching a young Irish Billy Connolly. He won an award at last year's Edinburgh Festival and he's been a finalist at the greatest best act competitions, including ones at the Hackney Empire, the Leicester Mercury, the BBC and the Leicester Square Theatre. He's also turned his hand to investigative journalism and has an explosive documentary coming out on the BBC in April, which is going to shock the world. I was lucky enough to get an inside scoop and I can't believe what he's uncovered. It's ostensibly about a crazy underground devil-worshipping cult called the White Hoods, but what he uncovers is stranger than any fiction you can imagine. And if it wasn't going out on the BBC, I wouldn't even believe it. He tells us more in this episode. Before I introduce my guest, I'd like to offer huge congratulations to my previous guest, Daisy Shute, who won a Grammy last week for a collaborative album she did called The Birdsong Project with Nick Cave, Philip Glass, Damon Albarn, Jarvis Cocker, Yo-Yo Ma and Mark Ronson, among others. It even features actors including Liam Neeson, Matthew McConaughey and Tilda Swinton. It's 12 hours and 57 minutes long and it's a mesmerizing rising listen. The Best of London community will always root for previous guests and will always root for Daisy Shoot. I'd also like to say that before she went on Best of London, she'd won zero Grammys and just days after the episode aired, she won a Grammy. So draw your own conclusions. Seriously though, well done Daisy, we're so proud of you. If you haven't listened to her episode of Best of London yet, you're missing out. She has some wonderful recommendations, including a London food venue where everyone has to get completely naked before you eat anything, and what happened when she went there. I was also lucky enough this week to get an invitation to see two of the UK's most well-known and loved comedians one of whom is rarely seen in public. I'll talk about that more after the interview, but these two giants of comedy are stablemates of our guest today, and they're all represented by the same agency. Speaking of today's wonderful guest, as if hilarious stand-up, quality broadcasting and groundbreaking investigative journalism wasn't enough, he also fought for the Irish team at the World Karate Championships. He supported legendary Irish comedian Patrick Keelty and American comedian Reginald D. Hunter on their tours and he has an eagerly awaited solo show coming out later this year. This is Best of London, according to John... Maha. I saw you live, first of all, at the Bill Murray Comedy Club. I'd actually gone to see Sam Campbell. So everyone had turned up to the Bill Murray. We were ready to watch this gig. And then suddenly there was an announcement from them. Sam's not coming. He forgot about the gig. So anyway, I'd gone along there with a friend and we said, oh, well, should we take a walk and just go and have a nice meal? So we did that. And then we thought, well, let's go back, see what else is on. Uh-huh. So we went back and you were performing with some other Irish comedians. It was very right. late night. 
Oh, was this recently? Yeah, fairly recently. Yeah. Oh, yeah, Vittorio was off the cuff gig. Yeah, I think it Did was. Did you write stuff on a thing on the way in? The... Yeah, 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 yeah. That was brilliant. So yeah. I wrote stuff down on the way in. You guys were so funny, but the real standout for me was you. So I took a note of your name and I thought, right, I'm going to contact this guy and have him on Best of London. Oh, I appreciate that, man. That was such a funny gig because the whole idea behind that gig is to stop you doing any pre prepared material. Uh-huh. So it's to write new stuff so i was bricking it that (laughs) night i was terrified because i was like wow what if i can't think of anything nothing comes but luckily the ideas were good and vittorio's great so it was set up just lovely yeah so i had a great time it was brilliant yeah it was really good i do think that is a it's a wonderful venue do you know i do know before we go on i must tell you a funny story about that night if that's okay so there was a guy, I don't know if you'll remember, but there was a guy at the side of the stage on the left-hand side who was very well turned out. And he uh, worked in finance. In those gigs where, like, because Victoria's got quite a big following, so whenever you are on a gig with someone where everyone is there to see them, you need to come out hard, you know. So I had a bit of a go at him, had a big laugh. After it, he comes up to me and he goes, oh, you, hey, John, you might not, uh, no, but you know one of my brothers, and I was—he's one of my best friends, younger <laughs> brothers, and I didn't recognize him because I hadn't seen him since he was about fourteen. Like, uh, and uh, so I didn't know. So I was able to t- message his brother and go, "Hey, I'm only after seeing your Jack." <laughs> I mean, it was an interesting night, and there was so much audience back and forth, and it did have that vibe, I suppose, of a of a gig where the comedian hadn't prepared and everything's quite new and fresh. And I suppose that's what I liked, and I felt like you thrived in that environment. Yeah, I really enjoy I enjoyed it there. But there was nerves and I just come from another gig. So I was sort of already feeling, you know, I was, I was in the zone basically from that. Okay. So it was the perfect time for it. Yeah, it was a brilliant night. Oh, I'm glad you enjoyed it. That was good. Yeah, is that is that a regular thing that you Vittorio, that's so his night that oh, he was running. Right, yeah. Uh he's on tour at the minute and but he's doing that in Edinburgh at the fringe every night. Yeah. Oh, okay. So oh, it'll all be off the cuff. So what sort of things have you been up to recently? I've just finished uh, recording a radio show that comes out in April called The Devil's Own. That's about devil worshippers in the town that I grew up in. So um, it's it's interesting. Yeah, it's a very interesting uh, subject. And so that's out April 2nd. Aside from that, gigging every night. Tomorrow I'm at the Leicester Festival and I'm... Uh, doing work in progress is because I'm going to the Fringe this year. I'm doing my like solo debut at the Fringe. So that'll be the Guild of Bloom all of August. Yeah. Oh, wonderful. So it's all systems go for that. Well, that's great. It seems like you've been very successful in being nominated for all sorts of awards and this sort of thing. Edinburgh a couple of years ago, I did a thing called Best in Class, which is a working class stand-up uh, showcase. It's run by a lady called Shan Davies. It's an amazing thing. Basically, every year they take up a cohort of acts because the Edinburgh Fringe is so expensive. To go for a whole month is just almost impossible for people. So best in class sorts out the room. Everyone gets paid. You don't pay for marketing or anything. And then the money goes back in and uh, like other acts get grants for it helps them with the rent. It was brilliant. And that one 
the panel prize best in class that's what the edinburgh award was and uh but until then i was easily the most losing comedian award losing comedian i had lost every big award that you could possibly imagine and uh, so that was good i finally won one yeah (laughs) that is wonderful but you have been a finalist yeah 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 better than a number of people do so uh yeah i feel like your time is just about to come the radio show sounds really interesting is that devil worshippers in recent times or yeah so it was during and at the tail end of the troubles i grew up in a town called newry which is right on the border in ireland and uh, and uh, like halfway between belfast and dublin and i grew up with these stories of there was it was a gang called the white hoods and they were sacrificing animals and there was talk of them kidnapping children they were lighting bonfires and uh, it's only sort of in recent years i was like what was that because it was too late for it to be like The Exorcist or whatever. It was like <laughs> 1992. So it was like, what was that? So I've basically investigated the story behind that. Yeah, I mean, I don't want to spoil it because it's coming out. No, but, don't. But you'll, that's uh, fascinating. Yeah, it's, re- it's, it's very interesting. Where will people be able to hear that? So that's uh, BBC Radio 4. Oh, wonderful. On, yeah, April 2nd. Yeah. Oh, that's so great. I love the Radio 4, you know, different documentaries and dramas yeah. going on there. It sounds properly scary. Yeah, it's. I mean, it's it's funny. This is, so the idea, like, it starts funny, and it, it does get quite scary. Um, basically, I pitched it as I want to make a lighthearted documentary about Northern Ireland that's got nothing to do with the troubles. All right, but, but t- a tiny spoiler: it turns out that's impossible. <laughs> <laughs> Well, I'm very much looking forward to hearing it. How was it for you growing up over there then? I would say I'm very lucky and other people have had it much worse than me. So you don't, whenever you're young, you don't really know. I caught the tail end of the trouble. So definitely, you know, parents of my friends were murdered. Cousin of mine was murdered. Bombs going off, you know, but... Uh, like outside that, like when you're a kid, you don't really, you don't pay any attention to the lads with guns in the street, in the army and stuff. So we were just playing football and going, so you just carry on living your life. Dairy Girls is like the best possible. If you've seen Dairy Girls, Dairy Girls, yeah. if you can just imagine instead of girls, boys, that was my upbringing, you know, it was like very similar to that. So you just got on with it. It's like, it was well, great. Yeah. I, I wonder if maybe that does bring a big sense of humor with it. Because in, when you have got traumatic things going yeah. around you, then perhaps you need to have that in order to just... Yeah, you have to laugh. Get through and yeah. make sense of everything. So when you move to London, then how does that compare? I, I love it here. You know, I've been here 11 years now. Yeah, I can't see. It would be a big change to move back home for sure you know maybe i could see like dublin or something but there's just always stuff happening in london yeah you know this this podcast is a great example of like the list of things you can do i'm sure you'll hear a thousand different answers from people because yeah. you know you whenever i moved here first a friend of mine who lived here he said to me you get out of london what you put into it and i don't think anyone has ever explained it better than that yeah. because i'm sure you i know people who have moved here they end up working. It is hard to live here because you have to, it does cost money, but yeah, you could end up just staying home, going to work, staying home, going to work. And then you're like, you might as well be anywhere. Yeah. You're not feeling it. So you have to get out there and do stuff. Yeah, uh, I think that's very true. And sometimes it can be a tough thing to do. Yeah. Uh, you know, if pe- people working hard and all the rest of it, making yourself go out and do these things. But I think that's it. That's what you need to do if you're going to experience London and enjoy living in London. Yeah. 
Yeah. Um, so yeah, very good advice. Well, that brings us to our first question. What are your earliest memories of London? Yeah, so, so the first time I ever came to London was uh, when I had just done my 11 plus and as a, a present for doing well in my 11 plus, my dad took me to watch Liverpool play Spurs in White Hart Lane in August 1995 right. as a Liverpool fan. So that was it. So I just remember the scale of the place. You know, like we're from, Newry is now a city, but it's, it's you know small and uh so going from there to you know the train the tube stadiums everything we did all like buckingham palace i remember like my dad loved um speaker's corner so we went to speaker's corner um and i still that is embedded in my memory watching the lads going mad and everyone getting involved and debating and you know, we got so lucky. It was like it was August, so the sun was shining. It was roasting. It was so that's my earliest memory. But people might not know about Speaker's Corner. Yeah, so Speaker's Corner is where's it? Hyde in Hyde Park. Hyde Park. Hyde yeah. Park. Yeah, there's a little area where near you, Marble Arch almost. Isn't yeah, it? Marble Arch side of Hyde Park. Yeah, and you can. Uh, you can basically people just go there to stand up and make speeches about anything they're passionate about, and there's heated arguments. And um, but the whole thing is like it's a free platform, is a free speech platform, I suppose. Yeah, have you been back then? Yeah, I was back a couple of years. Funny, and oh god, I'd say a couple of years ago, it must have been 10 years ago. Now, <laughs> I think I was I just moved to London, and the girl I was seeing at the time was very like blonde hair, blue eyes, she was German actually. But she could speak Arabic, and um, like we, I remember we were going past. Uh, there was some Arabic lads were were shouting, and they said something about her, and she turned around and could have a go <laughs> back at them. And you seen their faces, like, oh my god! Uh, so that was the last time. Yeah, I've not been there in a long time, though. But it is a great recommendation, and something no one's mentioned so far. Yeah, yeah, people should absolutely get down. I think it's on a Sunday, and so you went to see this at White Hart Lane, did you? At White Hart Lane, yeah, the old like stadium as it was then, yeah. And I'd never, I like, I'd never been to a football match like that before. So you know, all those thousands of people and seeing the guys you only saw on TV and Liverpool won. It was brilliant. Oh, amazing. Yeah, yeah, so good. Liverpool winning. My some of my nieces and nephews and one of my brothers in law are big Liverpool fans, so they'll be very pleased to hear that. Indeed, <laughs> do you still go and see Liverpool sometimes now? I do. Yeah, I go a lot. Although actually, I've been too so busy with gigs this year that I've not been able to go. But in recent years, I try to. Yeah, I get to like 10, 15 games a year, probably. Uh, yeah, I'm lucky, but it gets to get too expensive and time consuming and everything. But uh, it's great to. It's a great way to. It's a great uh, like icebreaker. As I, I kind of fell away from football, especially when I was doing martial arts and everything. That kind of took over everything. But then when I moved here, really, it's an easy thing to talk about when you meet people. You know, as who do you support, who do you follow? Yeah. And then it got back, you know, just when you think you're out, they pull you back in. You know, then <laughs> Liverpool's got, I was there in the bad times and then they got amazing again. So I was able to, you know, I started going basically the season before Klopp came to man. Yeah, man yeah, yeah. So I've just watched it rocket and. Yeah, that's been brilliant. Well, one of my good friends, Stuart Lloyd, is a season ticket holder at White Hart Lane, and he unscrewed his seat, a season ticket for that seat for so long. Yeah. And um, he thought, I think I deserve that seat. Oh, that's brilliant. When they were closing. Yeah. When I first moved here, the the first flat I lived in, 
was right next to um, White Hart Lane. It was the last season, and I went. I went to a few cup games just to watch Spurs play. And I remember one day I counted, and I could get from my room in the house into a seat in the stadium in three minutes. Wow. It was brilliant. Yeah, it was good to see it. The new stadium was amazing as well. And so were there any other memorable times when you went to London? So the other time um, is that when I was fighting, so I did, uh, I started doing boxing and then I did judo and then did kickboxing and moved and did karate for years. And I got onto the Irish karate team, as you mentioned earlier. And we one year we came here to, I think it was the, I think it was the British Open or the European Championships. I can't remember, but I remember going to Crystal Palace, and um, I remember there was a meal. We went to a Japanese restaurant for a meal. I'd never used chopsticks before, and uh, being taught how to use chopsticks by one of the Japanese sensei, uh, it was amazing. And going in then. Another thing that is uh, the Crystal Palace dinosaurs, and they blew my mind in there. The the concrete, the old concrete statues that they have from like the 1800s before they really knew what dinosaurs looked like. It's amazing to see. Yeah, they're really, I love seeing that. Kids can still go and see it now. And you're like, oh, right, yeah, sort of see how you got a crocodile out of that or, you know, from the fossils. So, because yeah, they that look was a big. bit like dinosaurs, don't they? These big statues that they have that they made yeah. in you know, Victorian times. Yeah. Before that. And they just look like dinosaurs, but not quite. They've just got it a bit wrong. Yeah, that's it. Like. They just didn't quite know how fossils worked really at that point so some of them are close like i said the the alligators and stuff those ones are close but some of them are just yeah bizarre sci-fi style creatures which i love <laughs> and um with the with the martial arts and the fighting um is that something that you think gave you a certain discipline or did it bring certain things to your life yeah i mean you know not to be too dramatic but it meant that I wasn't getting involved in anything at home whenever things were still hot there. So uh, it just took me away. Like we grew up in a kind of a rough area. So it took me away from all that. Yeah. So um, I was just training all the, all the time, like five hours a day, busy. So, um, and I got to travel, like we couldn't afford really to travel either. So we got to travel all around Europe, fought everywhere and, uh, yeah, completely opened my eyes. New culture, new food, all of that. Yeah, I was very lucky. And then I got a bad injury, and that's what then stopped me. Yeah. And now I'm a lot fatter than I was <laughs> then. <laughs> and do you do you now? Do you ever go to any of this sort of thing in London now? No, I did a bit after that. Um, after a sort of my injury kind of healed up, and I went in and then did mixed martial arts for a few years and Brazilian jiu jitsu. But that was at home in Belfast still. And when I moved here. I basically was like, I just need that effort needs to go into comedy. Like that was it. So I can't, if I get focused on one thing, I just stop doing other stuff. So, yeah. uh, no, I just made the decision to stop. So on to question two, what's your best London venue? So my favorite London venue is where you saw me is the Bill Murray I comedy club. Place, yeah. I love it for many reasons so it's run by angel comedy and angel comedy is like four i think people that got to just comedians started a comedy night it grew and it was like it's the best sort of new material night new act night in london so whenever i first came here you were like that was the one you wanted to get on you knew when you were getting booked there 
you were getting, you were sort of edging out of like terrible open mics and stuff. That's the first goal is always like, I need to get out of these open mics. This is yeah. like awful. You know, there's no audience. It's just loads of bitter comedians, <laughs> lots of mental illness floating around the room. And you're like, I need to, I need to be in like proper rooms. So Angel Comedy was the first one of them. Their night was so successful at the Camden Head in Islington that they took on the lease of a, of a pub that had went out of business in uh, on Queen's Head Street, just around the corner. And I think it's five years they've been there now. Maybe it's even more than that. They have like the best comedians in the world mm. go there. So the last time I was there, I was on Kevin Bridges turned up to do a show. Uh, Rosie Jones is there a lot. Uh, so you'll see everyone. And it's a very, the idea behind it is really impressive. They, sort of make no money at all like how it's still around I've no, I've no idea because everything they do they basically put back into running shows running workshops for people who want to be comedians they do charity outreach work and everything I just love it at the ethos behind it and most of all at one point I was I needed to move house quick let's put it like that and uh, they let me live upstairs so I lived above it and um, yeah they have a room upstairs and uh so they let me live there while I got stuff sorted. And it was amazing. I got to see like at that time, like Eddie Izzard was doing, she was doing work in progresses, I think for almost three months, something like that. It was like a run of like a few nights a week, she'd be there. And so I got to see that as a tiny room, like packed, it's 90 people. Like like you couldn't fit any more than that in. You're right on top. The people are right on top of you. And it's it's so amazing. Yeah, I've seen like amazing people there. Well, funny enough, I went a couple of weeks ago and saw Fern Brady there. Oh my God, Fern's one of the best people in the world. And yeah. after her, Michael McIntyre was coming to do a stand up. I was there that night. Were you? Yeah, yeah, I was after him. I was. There was less people excited about that. You were <laughs> Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, less people excited about that. Yeah. Uh, well, yes, yeah, so that's what they have. Yeah, McIntyre's there. All everyone you can imagine. That's where they go. Yeah, so I think you join a mailing list or something. You well, get I'm, a, I'm a Patreon subscriber. So oh, yeah. I pay them a certain amount every month. But I've also done a thing whereby they do their Christmas drive and they take in donations for a food bank. Yeah. Being the person downstairs taking the donations and putting them upstairs. Oh, yeah, yeah. Big room they've got, which gets full of yeah. stuff. Like, That's the green room, yeah. Generous. Yeah, like, they've built a real community. I think they had four and a half tons yeah, of food this time, you. yeah. Just for a pub to do that for the local community, I think that's wonderful. Yeah. Um, and I also remember one time going to a, a rooftop gig there. They yeah, did yeah. The summer, and um, all the comedians that came along, I, I saw them arrive, and they'd look up and they'd look shocked because when what they thought it was is them on a rooftop with maybe a couple of dozen other yeah. people. And every single one of them thought this. Yeah. But they didn't realize it was them on a rooftop and everyone on the street was yeah, down, down below. below them watching them. Yeah. Yeah. They're, it's amazing. they're so clever, the stuff they do. Like Barry Ferns, who is like the sort of the main guy behind it. He was doing a thing in Edinburgh where he, he did a show every day at the top of Arthur's seat. So you had to climb the mountain to get to this show. It's all, they're all so good with that kind of stuff. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, yeah. yeah no, I love it there. So they, like they, They've helped me a lot. So that takes us to question three. What's the best thing you've seen in London? Uh, in line with the martial arts uh, stuff, 
I was talking about earlier was a UFC in like I come twenty sixteen or something. Anderson Silva, who's one of the greatest of all time, fought Michael Bisping, who's an English guy, and uh, I was there for that, and it was an amazing like. He did this mad flying knee that you, it was like something out of a movie that he hit and you were like, it's over. It looked like the fight was over. But then Michael Bisbing came back and won. And it was just like a roller coaster in the O2. The place was pumping, couldn't have got louder. It was amazing. That's definitely, well, that's one of the best things I've seen in London for sure. Well, I, yeah, I don't know many people that go and watch, but it's a big thing. And it must be if it was at the O2. Oh, oh, yeah, they're, they're huge now. Yeah, yeah. I'm talking the main room at the O2. Was yeah, oh, right. Yeah, you couldn't get a ticket. Like, the t- I've not went in a few years now because it goes on sale, has gone. Like, the, yeah. it's just immediately gone. But um, you had mentioned that you see me on a podcast, Comedians Talking History with Khaled Winter. Yeah. It was Khaled who got me the ticket that because he trains as well. So he, he knew people. That was it. Yeah. A lot of my good, the good things I've seen is because I've known someone who knows someone or whatever. And would you recommend it? Can you see the action going on? Oh, yeah. Yeah. And they have big screens and all. And um, that's why if you're into it, I would recommend it, you know, but it's not, it's not for everyone. Well, like, that's it. The only time I've ever been is, um, when I've been in Thailand or somewhere like that and seen something. Yeah. It's interesting, but I've never been to a boxing match or, or fighting. Anything I've ever been to is a comedian's wrestling. Uh, oh, I've not been to that, actually. Max and I. But yeah, I heard about. I heard it's, it's amazing. It's really good. Yeah, yeah. It's really good. But yeah, I guess there are an awful lot of fans there of MMA, and it seems that a lot of people are into this the cage fighting. Yeah, that's what that is. So that was all in the cage, and that was that's what I trained for a while. In a we basically another life at this stage, but um, yeah, I loved it when That's I was doing so it. So violent! I have seen videos online of this sort of thing. I'm amazed it's even legal. Yeah, but you're like you know, there's rules and it's training, and people train for years and years and know what they're doing. It's the same as anything, you know. If boxing is legal, then why not that? Like, yeah, that's very true. It's very true. And, uh, you know, they are some of the best athletes in the world who are doing these kind of things. So that brings us to the next question. What's the best London event you've attended? This was difficult, this one for me. One of them, is a, there's a few, that, but one of them was the comedian Bill Burr, who's one of my favourite comedians ever. We saw him in 2013 at the Kentish Town uh, Auditorium, whatever it's called. It was like a small venue. It was, it was incredible. And that was a real, like, almost like a light bulb of like, oh my God, like, it's possible to be that good. I'd come, like you come out of that and think, right, I need to work so hard now, <laughs> you know, when you see it was amazing. So, it was, it was, and I've seen him a few times since, and it's always felt like that of like a boot in the arse to keep working. Would that you was, say he's your favorite comedian? He's definitely up there. Cha- all time, it's Billy Connolly, yeah. like hands down, yeah. all time. But it it does, it changed around. But Bill Burr and I would have very similar, maybe temperament, like, and uh, so I, I don't watch his stuff anymore because so much of it's so close that I, I would be worried that I'd maybe, you know, be too close and pull yeah, from it. And it would, yeah. it would say, I would be second guessing myself from ideas. So I only ever watch now if he is a special art. Other than that, I don't see anything. Um, but yeah, he's definitely up there. Yeah. For, for, uh, my favorites. Fern is one of my favorites yeah. for you mentioned. Fern Brady's incredible. Yeah. yeah. A work in progress that I saw was really good. Yeah, yeah. I don't know if you've read her book. Her book is yes, incredible. I have. Yeah. yeah, I have. Yeah, it's a really interesting story as well of how 
she was to institutional rather than school for some of the time and you know tough quite tough life that she'd had a really well written book and i actually listened to the audio book yeah same yeah i got them both i love it when my friends write books and all i'm like oh my god i can't support it. like support that so but she i would recommend that but yeah she's up there as well i'm not sure who else tommy tiernan who's an irish guy oh, well, Condor, yeah, who's... i have seen uh clips on youtube yeah he's fantastic he would be a lot of people's favorite comedian there's a guy called chris kent who's criminally underrated i think james a caster has said that um that he owes a lot to chris kent because he saw him and realized you could do things differently chris is from cork in ireland i'm very biased because i'm now just naming irish people <laughs> chris and tommy but uh chris is on tour as well i would absolutely go do whatever you can do to get a ticket to see him he's incredible yeah but we'll go back to the question. Well, so what's the best London event? I think I'm going to say uh, the best thing I've been at in London was the first gig when lockdown lifted. You know, when you we could do socially distanced stuff. Mm-hmm. And Angel uh, at the Bill Murray again did a gig where they got a few people and we did it on screen. There was no audience in the room because you couldn't, there was the acts and camera crews and everything meant they couldn't really have any audience in there. So it was only, I think there was nine comedians and uh, it was like John Kearns was there, Helen Bauer, Nick Ellery, who's fantastic, Tim Key, who you're seeing later, was there. And it was really emotional. You know, it was like, because, you know, for the two years, everyone was the same, right? We were all like, God, what's going to happen What's going to come back? Is this going to be the same? I mean, I was crying with John Kearns. Like, I was like, I can't believe this. We're getting to do it. But the feeling was was incredible. You know, that was the, the, yeah, that's one of the things. Yeah, it was great. Yeah, I remember the first gig I just went to as an audience member. Um, uh, or the, and the first few even going out of lockdown. And I think there was like this certain feeling between everyone. Right? It's just a kind of a bond between everyone. Yeah. Being to all that together. And just this feeling of just wanting to enjoy life and just enjoy what's going on and just some sort of elation but even being out and actually one of the things i went to straight out of lockdown was actually seeing off menu do their first live episode at the south bank center and the whole audience were just in some kind of hyper crazy mood and just absolutely loving it so they were filming that gig at the bill murray that you did there must be copies of it somewhere but it was being streamed and we could see like normally with those Zoom gigs. It was very difficult to kind of get an idea of who you were talking to or anything. But they had a there was a big screen by the side by the side of the stage, mm. and uh, so you could see the the people watching. You could see, and there was, there was like there was people all over the world watching, uh, yeah. and um, it was just yeah, it was it was special that one. It was really we were like okay, maybe you know maybe things are going to be okay. You know? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> well, I mean, I suppose at the time we didn't know whether it would just be the future would be not being able to be in the same room as Yeah. Well. Especially with comedy where everyone's laughing and like... Yeah, yeah. Spraying really... <laughs> yeah. slobber all over each other. Exactly. Like, yeah. So it's kind of crazy, but I do remember going to some of those Zoom gigs, like um, some one in order of Ukraine that I particularly watched. I think it was a Leicester Square Theatre or something right. like that. It was just all, an entire Zoom. But how was it then recording without the audience there? Well, everyone was so happy to be there. Like the crew, filming, all the other comedians, everyone was in stitches. It was like... Oh, so you still had laughter. You still had laughter. Yeah. You could hear the laughter from them as well. But like, it was the whole... It was just the... 
it was just the experience that was the thing. Yeah. Of like people in a room, you know, yeah. that like people in a room together, it was brilliant. Yeah. Yeah. I know you're a music fan as well. Is there any music events that stand there? Yeah. So there was, a, there was a couple, the best gigs I've seen, I think in London, one of them was Hozier at the Palladium where uh, me and my wife went to that. She was a big Hozier fan and he's Irish. So I will obviously I'm biased and we'll go to anything. <laughs> and, uh, but he was like, like otherworldly talented, you know, and I, I wouldn't have even listened to an album and you take me to church. That was it. Yeah. And I was just completely blown away. It was amazing to watch. And we, it was quite funny because we had a view of the gallery and Lady Gaga was there and uh -huh. screaming. I was like, Oh my God. <laughs> but, um, that and then the other one was I seen Fleetwood Mac at Wembley. Amazing. I can't, a couple of years ago it was. And I believe they did a couple of gigs and the first night the sound was terrible apparently. And so thousands of people walked out. No. Yeah. Terrible. And I did see them at Wembley myself. I, it must have been, I don't know, maybe 10 years ago. Uh, I have got photos uh, that I put my social media at the time, I think on Facebook. Yeah. Um, but it was with the... Um, it was with the full lineup, including Christine V and um, uh, Lindsay Buckingham. Oh, Lindsay Buckingham wasn't in the one I saw now. Um, it was uh, a guy from Canton Crow. No way, Crowded House. Yeah, 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 it's yeah. Funny enough, I was Crowded. with him last night. I went to a tiny little warm-up gig he did because he's recording a session at the BBC today. Oh, wow. So he just got some people together for a very small, just at his record company at BMG last night. Wow. And flipping hell. Um, and one of the things, and I was there with my friend Stuart Williams, who used to be the managing director of a lot of music magazines. Okay. And um, we were talking, one of the things we were talking about is what was it like when you were in, you know, yeah. Mac for a while. And he was said, you know, it's so interesting being with them, especially when you're on the plane going across places. And, yeah. You know, some of them are having a drink when they're not supposed to be and this sort of thing. You know, it just sort of blew him away to to be involved with that. But I mean, Crowded House in itself are a great band. Yeah, yeah. They do have a new album coming out. Um, they are headlining festivals this year. Yeah. Um, and actually, so I did actually get a video of him recording. So I'll try and put that on the Instagram. Oh, funny, yeah. Because yeah. they did some of their songs as well. Did they? Yeah, yeah. They did some Crowded House numbers. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Oh, and the, who was... Who was supporting them? The Pretenders. Oh, I love Pretenders and as well. It was it was mad actually. There was loads of people, yeah. But um, they were incredible. And and uh, my mother was a huge Fleetwood Mac fan too. So and she's not she's not with us anymore. So it was really, it was just a very nice experience to be like yeah. hearing the music. You know that there was definitely I kind of always feel the things that I love is when there's a connection with someone that you're there with or others, right? It's like, that's what I, whenever I listen to music or when I think of like my favorite movie experiences, my wife's always, she's a, a screenwriter. So she's always like, what's your favorite, favorite movie experiences, not favorite movie. So there's, you know, I just think of the connections with people rather than the tunes or whatever. <laughs> so uh, Flea One Mac was incredible. Yeah. God, I would got so drunk though. I very rarely get drunk, very rarely, once, twice a year, maybe. But that was one that I felt it was allowable. <laughs> what yeah. happened? Were you drinking beforehand? No, we were drinking there, but they only had Prosecco or something. Like uh, they'd ran out of, uh, so anyway, that's another story for another time. But yeah, they were, they were incredible. And I think it is um, uh, great when you go and see one of these bands that mean a lot to you and maybe to people, yeah. you know, members of your family too. Yeah. Then it is, it is an amazing experience. Yeah. yeah. I'm dying to see ACDC. You've just, they've just 
they're going on tour. Ah, now, yeah, they're here in July, which ends just after my 40th. So I'm going to try and wangle that. Yeah, for sure. <laughs> Where are they playing? Wembley as well. Are they? Wembley? Yeah, 7th of July. I was going to hope doing a big outdoor gig. Anyway, yeah, maybe they'll do know. a festival as well. Yeah, it's maybe a, that'll be yeah. the Sunday act at Glastonbury. I was going to say, yeah, because it's not going to start rumours. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so that takes us to the next question. What's your best place to eat in London? Yeah, so the, the restaurant that I bring family and friends to when they come to London and when everyone says like, oh, do you know anywhere good to eat is Brasserie Zadell in Piccadilly. Oh, right. Because it, it's spectacular to, when you go in, you, you you know, you go and you walk downstairs and it's, I think it's a, like a refurbished old train station or something, but it's very art deco. So you, it's very old school French brasserie, but uh, like fine columns and you know everything's plush and Sounds the waiters are lovely. Yeah, and it's not expensive, so <laughs> it's it, and they serve very late. I, I can't. I think they still serve at like twelve at night. They're still serving food. Um, Is that how you know about it then from after comedy? Yeah, after well, it was my wife as well knows she's on the ball, Johnny on the spot with me. She we went there for her birthday one year. And I was like, oh, my God, I just couldn't believe it. It's so big. There's a little cocktail club in there as well. And they have a, they actually have a theater space where they do comedy shows and musicals and things as well, like a smaller space. And uh, th that's the one. That, uh, that's where anytime I'm like, you will, yeah, I've ne no one's been let down by it. And what sort of food is it then? So it's f like French but I all, I just always have beef bourguignon. Yeah, that's what you go for, is it? Yeah, it's effectively stew. <laughs> well, like, what's the most Irish thing I can find on a menu? <laughs> yeah. Stew and spuds. And uh, yeah, recommend it highly. So, yeah, it's incredible, and the people are lovely. They've like they'll have uh, like bands playing and stuff in there in the background. Yeah, it's amazing. And if you book at nine, you've got the table for the whole night. You know that you know where like normally there's a turnaround. So before nine, I think you probably have an hour, an hour and a half, whatever. After nine, you can just be there the whole so time. That's the trick then. That's if you the, book for nine. Yeah, have the whole night then. Yeah, it's great. That's the yeah, that's the spot. Couldn't recommend that. And I'm a fan of that eating a bit later European style. And yeah, just having the time there that you can chill out. It's, I love it when a restaurant opens a bit later. Yeah, you can spend the time there. Yeah, and then but outside of that, the thing with comedy is you're always on the hoof. It's sort of like I would be out six nights a week, you know, so it's hard to be like, let's go for dinner here or there. I have a very understanding wife, thankfully. Um, so you always are trying to look for places that you can just grab something as well. And that's one of the other places I love is Broadway Market. It's amazing for food. You know, it's got every, it's got every type of street food vendor, whatever, on, on, the, on the strip there when that's open. I love that. Yeah. And what would you have now? Do you know the last time I was there, I had a Scotch egg, which doesn't sound very impressive, but it was this huge thing. I don't know what kind of a bird laid it. But I love Yeah, yeah. Those. I love those Scotch eggs. Actually, I haven't had a Broadway Market one, but I've had one from Greenwich Market. Yeah. But there's all the different ones that you can choose. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, yeah. This was like black pudding and something. That's what I went for, yeah. black pudding and something. Yeah. yeah, it was incredible. I'll tell you, you just reminded me of another place in Greenwich is the Fudge Patch which is a fudge shop in Greenwich Market. Yeah. The guy who runs it called Patch. Yeah. Um, he used to be a comedian, but then he set up this fudge patch. It's amazing. Every year for Christmas, my sister gets me a box of his fudge. <laughs> It'll last me the whole year, basically. <laughs> um, but you can go there and you can see him making it and you can 
uh, do fudge making classes and right. and they, they've done like a re- incredible flavors. It's all vegan. It's all gluten free. It's amazing. So do you uh, have a favorite flavor of fudge there? Lemon. There, he lemon. does the, he does Never a lemon it. does a lemon one that is so good it's incredible I have to go yeah. over there and try it out I've, I love a chocolate fudge usually yeah but see that lemon could be quite good to have you know a bit of acidic flavours yeah sweetness it's so good yeah yeah it's great and they let you try them also oh they let you try them yeah oh yeah you can try all of them yeah okay, de- Ter- terrible businessman but uh, <laughs> you say it lasts you a long time when your sister gets it for you you don't just eat it all at once no because it doesn't go off Oh yeah. So yeah, it's so good. it's great. Yeah, it's great. Mm. Not for your taste, but yeah, yeah, it's great. It's great for the house anyway. Well, talking buying things, what's your best place to buy things in London? So th- this one I I found very difficult because I was like I don't really buy much stuff. I don't you know I don't really spend a lot. And then I was like, oh, there is one thing which is um. So like I collect rare books, like first edition of rare books, and the. Best, my favorite street in London is Cecil Court, which is just off uh, Leicester Square, Piccadilly Circus, and um, it's apparently where J.K. Rowling based Diagon Alley on, um, because it looks completely oh, like it. It's got the old style big lamps, like gaslit lamps, um, and yeah. the shops have been there forever. It's sort of not really been updated. Old cobblestones in the streets, and it's a strip of shops there where they have like antiquarian maps and oh, yeah. antiques and then there's bookshops and I love I love that place. Yeah, yeah. I love it. Yeah, they have a place, March Payne Books, which like specializes in children's books and Alice in Wonderland books. And um and the guy who runs that's a guy called Matthews, like a real lovely character and great every anywhere you go in, you'll be able to chat to the people in there. They're always lovely. And uh, Goldsboro Books is on the opposite side of the street from that. And they're the same. They do loads of like first editions, limited edition books and signings and all. So there, yeah, that's the spot. And you're right in the centre of London then as well. It does, yeah, it does sound amazing to be sort of brought back to old London. You know, these shops that have been there for so long. Yeah. Just feeling like you're, you yeah, know, it could have been 100 it, years ago. Is that, it doesn't feel, yeah, it doesn't feel real at all because it is, one side of it's Leicester Square, the other, you know, you're walking on a coffin car and then it's just this one tiny little street. Then, yeah, you could be walking through time. It's fantastic. Is there one book that you'd love to have, a first edition, that would be your ultimate one to have? Um, Yeah, maybe, it changes all the time, but maybe The Old Man and the Sea, okay. the Hemingway book. I love I love that. Um, But, yeah, and I, it's good that I started, like, I started in lockdown actually, and nice. with a, I got a book for twenty quid and like sold it for forty, and nice. then just built up and built up. So and I, I've I've got like a nice collection now to the point where I'm not allowed to buy anymore <laughs> unless I get rid of them. My wife has firmly put the foot down on the on additions to the collection. And would you ever buy them online as well? Yeah, yeah. There's yeah, I buy, I buy them online or. And anywhere, I well, like Oxfam is great. Like little secondhand shops are brilliant. That's where I buy most of the stuff. Yeah, is it'll like that's where I like sort of hooking around and finding things. Yeah. And what's your favorite rare book that you have at the moment? I've got two signed Billy Connolly first editions, which I love. Yeah. Right. So they're they're my probably my favorite. But I've got ones that I've got a first edition Lord of the Rings trilogy, wow. which is like. One of the, not the first printing, but a later printing of the first edition. So they're, they're really cool. 
And um, what else do I have? I have my wife got me a, a Hemingway, a first edition Hemingway as well, which is really nice. So yeah, anything. I but anything that I can read. If it was signed Truman Capote, first edition of uh, the thing that was turned into a big movie about uh, the murder. Breakfast at Tiffany's. Not Breakfast at Tiffany's. The other one. His murder. This is like the first sort of true crime in cold blood. In cold blood. Yeah, yeah. Okay. In and cold blood. A film, wasn't yeah, it? yeah, yeah, yeah. So I've got one of them, and uh, I've got a lot of John Le Carre. I quite like spy stuff, so. Yeah, bits and pieces. But. Yeah, I do think they're really interesting objects to have, especially knowing that they were the very first ones. And especially when you know, like with the Billy Connolly ones. Yeah. I love the touch of them. I love how they feel. I love knowing that the person's touched the page who mm-hmm. wrote it. And yeah, I, I'm, I'm a, I, anything like that I love. One of the things that we have in my, like in the family home, for my, my uh, mother's family, um, we're originally from the west coast of Ireland grew up in a tiny wee island I'm from there but grew up in the north but uh, I mean, my family are the custodians of a lighthouse and have been for a long time and I found in the lighthouse we were painting it one year and I found uh, my grandmother's like notebook when she was like seven right. which would have been the early 1900s you know right. and so that's and it's the same and I found her uncle's shopping list from 1878 it It was milk (laughs) it was so funny it was just like that's what was really funny was just like oh it's such a like it's a normal shopping list (laughs) and you're like how like you expect did you take it to the shops and go oh i need this yeah yeah it's so funny i was like oh yeah you sort of expect people to be doing everything so totally differently but they were just no i need i need milk and i don't have cows how about the notepad that your grandmother had written in she she had written an essay about a book that she had read. I can't remember what the book was, but her handwriting was lovely. I remember that. that and I only knew her as an old lady. Like, I only knew her when she was older. Yeah, so it's weird to even think of some of these. Yeah, she had beautiful handwriting. Right. Does her, yeah. It's funny you should mention the Billy Connolly thing because during lockdown, I got into buying Billy Connolly early albums. Oh, yeah. Early albums, both comedy and non-comedy. Yeah, the Humble Bums. Yes. Yeah. So Humble Bums stuff, but also his early comedy albums. Yeah. And they're pretty cheap, you know. Yeah, yeah. You, know, you can really get them very cheaply. I've managed to get some really good ones cheaply. And sometimes you'll see them in the charity shop. Yeah. Sometimes online. There's loads of great places in London you can go yeah. to get vinyl. And they're like works of art. Yeah. They're amazing. And the thing that got him really famous was was the when he did The Last Supper oh, in yeah. Glasgow. It's so funny. Yeah, yeah. I can't believe how bad the audio quality is in on that <laughs> Last Supper recording now. <laughs> yeah, but it's from like, what, 1970 odd in, in a pub? Yeah. It's very true. <laughs> but I swear to you, if they gave me that audio recording now, I'm very tempted to do it and I will send you a copy of just downloading it. It would it would be very easy for me to remove a hell of a lot of that yeah. noise, <laughs> and I would just like to listen to it. You know, maybe in a little bit better. Don't get me wrong, I love it. Yeah, I really love listening to it, and it's amazing how it still can make you laugh. Now, yeah, yeah. You know, some of these old albums. A lot of people are getting into the vinyl and album things. Yeah, my wife loves it. And so, would you also buy any of the modern signed books, like when Bob Mortimer, for example, released a book? recently yeah i bought a signed edition of that that's hilarious that was my wife got me that for christmas yeah yeah i do if if i'm gonna read the book i will buy like i'll buy that basically yeah that's what that's how so if i'm gonna read it there's one coming out that i'm excited about now it's a comedian uh called benji waterstones his stage name is waterstones 
His actual name is Waterhouse. I've been lucky to get an advanced copy of, of it, and it's incredible. It's so funny. It's really heartfelt, and it's uh, the Times just tipped it as it's like book of the year, like it's in the top 10 book of the year. Is Benji, it's out, I think it's out next month, actually. That's great. So I'll get that and get him. I get him to sign it at football when I'm at football. But, <laughs> but yeah, I do. Yeah, that's what I try. And if I'm buying new stuff, um, I will just get them. Absolutely, it is nice to have that. And certainly, when I go and see Tim Key there tonight, I'll yeah. his latest book. But make sure I get that signed. But even actually talking of the early editions, I got an early edition of Ed Gamble's book. Yeah, and it is quite interesting to have that early edition and you know, like read it before other people. Though you don't get the pictures and this sort of thing in there. Yeah. But I'm wondering, do they do they become worth it? You know, is it more the first editions or yeah? No, the early stuff doesn't like a early the 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 um yeah the like press copies and all they don't they're not worth anything. Funny enough, that they're not. I know you'd think it's more collectible. Yeah, no. Actually, when I used to work for a magazine company, there used to be, of course, so many books coming in all the time, and. You know, they would all a lot of it would get binned. Yeah. So I did keep some of these early editions, thinking, oh, one day these will be. Yeah, maybe. Doesn't sound like they will after all. You don't know. You never know. Yeah, I suppose that. I have to check if I've got a J.K. Rowling one in there. That's the that's the one. <laughs> yeah. That's the one. Those like I was chatting to a bookseller once. He was telling me they they know basically where all of the first Harry Potters are, except there's like a handful of them that they don't know where they are. But the entire print run, like that's how, that's how expensive they are. That they're like booksellers know. So you, you know, if somebody forged one or whatever, they would know. No, like we know who owns this. Like they literally know to the copy. Well, that's the that's the holy grail <laughs> if you find one of them. Well, um, I don't know if you remember when the Sunday Times story came out with uh, saying J.K. Rowling is actually Robert Galbraith. Oh yeah, yeah. Series. Well, I saw, I often just look at the papers the night before you can see them on the news channels. And I saw this was going to drop in the Sunday Times. Yeah. So I quickly went to Amazon and bought 10 copies of this book. Oh, yeah, yeah. Because I thought, oh, maybe it'll be worth it. Yeah. And actually, then I was, oh, I couldn't wait for them to come through. But actually, the ones that I got weren't the very first edition. Ah, uh, yeah, yeah. They were like first edition, second printing. Yeah. But even those that I got for like £10, I did actually sell for £100 each. Wow, people, that's really good. People really, I don't know if it's still the case, but at the time they did really like her things. So that brings us to the next question. What's your best area of London? I've worked in Shoreditch since I moved to London. So I love Shoreditch and I've watched it, you know, go go up, then peak, arguably on the way down at the minute. Uh, but um, so that's cool. But it's hard to beat Soho, I think. Yeah. Like so for, and it's got everything that you need. Theatres there, amazing food. There's nice bars. At any time of day, you can go and have a great time. And, you know, it, it's just... Uh, yeah, it's just, it's a great spot, I think. It really is. Yeah, you do kind of feel like you're really in London whenever you're in Soho. Exactly, yeah. You have Chinatowns right there too. And yeah, I, I love, that's where, yeah, that's the buzz. Well, I loved that film last night in Soho. It was filmed all during lockdown, so it's really kind of eerie. Edgar Wright made it, he's made like, I think he makes Shaun of the Dead and new stuff, but uh, it swaps time from like present day to back in like the, 50s 60s whatever it was and it does a lot of this kind of time travel and you can see the so you see the difference in the streets and all Amazing. yeah it's really so i love soho yeah are there any like stand up venues in soho that you like to go to 
So one of my favorite venues in Soho is a place which is now called Zebranos. It's a nightclub pub, uh, used to be the Establishment Club. And the Establishment Club was, I believe, the first uh, sort of comedy. It was really satire club in the UK. It was opened by Peter Cook when he owned Private Eye. Yeah. And um, it was famous because... Uh, the building itself is quite famous because of the really iconic photos of Christine Keeler who brought down the government or mm. her on the back of the chair was they were taken upstairs in that place, in that building. And also uh, it's the only place in England where Lenny Bruce performed, who's like one of the original stand-up comedians as we would kind of know it now, um, who's arrested for free speech and uh, multiple times. So that I got, I did a gig in there once and that was brilliant. The wow. gig itself was a bit odd, but like <laughs> the building was great to be in a place where like so much history happened in there. Yeah. That's kind of what I, what I like about it. Yeah. So it's a great spot. Um, Madame Berteau, it's a brilliant, uh, like pastry shop. That's really nice coffee and pastries. They do all like French stuff. They, I've been in there. They've been incredibly rude, which is very French. <laughs> and uh, what pastry would you have from there? Uh, anything with cream on it, you know, anything at all. <laughs> just it's just a, a basically a, a facility a mechanism to get cream into my body, <laughs> cream and jam. Uh, so that and a coffee. So that yeah, that's a brilliant spot as well. And then uh, where else? There's ah uh, yeah, there's uh, like you walk down any street and there's yeah, so somewhere you can pubs and stuff. Yeah, there's we were in the other night. My wife and I went to Mimi's cocktail bar, r lovely cocktails and these places. Yeah, there's like open and closing all the time. Yeah, it's true. Things do turn around. El Camion is a really great Mexican restaurant. There they and the the food's amazing. Do you ever tend to go out after your comedy and, and get food and drinks then? Well, I'm on a diet, so not anymore. <laughs> uh, but yeah, but there would have been a time. I tell you where it was good was the Phoenix Arts Club, which is slightly out of Soho, but that's a great spot as well. That was where there was really much just on the corner, yeah. edge of Soho. I just yeah, call it Soho. Good, okay. <laughs> on the uh, Charing Cross Road there. Yes, exactly. Yeah. That was a, I went, I had a few good nights in there. So that brings us to the final question. What's your best London life hack? This is, ha this is hands down, I think, the most useful piece of information if you're just coming to London to use, which is if you're getting the tube, walk to the end of the platform because it's much quieter. <laughs> That's it. And if you go in, you're so much more likely to not have that awful experience of being crushed if you just go to the end platform on the tube, your your life gets much easier. Do you know what? I cycle everywhere, so I don't really know much about the tube. I am and so I... terrified of cycling. I don't know how you do that. It's so scary. <laughs> well, it's easier now there's all the cycling. Yeah. Uh, so when you're on the tube, is it the front or the back that you're aiming for? Where I live, I go to the back of the center line okay. and then I'm at the station that I live beside. So, um, I go there, but either, either or, either or, you know, have you ever been on the uh, front of the DLR? Of course. Yeah, yeah, yeah. We used to live in Limehouse. So there's a DLR station there and that was, yeah, great fun. I used to enjoy kicking kids out of that, you know, <laughs> throwing them away. This is my turn. Yeah. 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 <laughs> pretend you drive the train. What could be better? And it's so amazing that in the DLR, they have no drivers at all. Yeah. It's all done, I guess, by computer or something. Yeah, yeah. Or at least remotely. Do you know what's meant to be amazing? I haven't done this, but one of my friends has said it was the best thing he's done is the tours of the old closed underground stations. 
and they've just opened another one, but he loved that. Yeah, there's like one where they used to do the mail and you go down and see the abandoned thing. They've got the old advertisements up and everything. Yeah, I would love to do that. Yeah. It's another great life hack to go and see those abandoned underground stations that just are part of history there. Well, thank you so much, John, for coming in today. You've been an amazing guest. So many great recommendations. Um, where can people find you? Yeah, thanks very much, Matt. So on Instagram, I'm John M Comedy. So you can find me there, basically. And uh, all my stuff's on there. Like I say, the radio show's out April 2nd, and I'm going to be doing the Big Year is the name of the show that I'm taking to the Fringe. So I'll be doing work in progresses of that around various. Okay, that's great. And what's the name of that radio show again? It's called The Devil's Own. The Devil's Own on Radio 4. Yeah. So people can look out for that when it drops as well. I'll put links to all of those in the show notes. Well, thanks again, John, for coming in. Thanks very much for having me, Ben. I hope that was good for you. Well, thank you so much, John Maher. There really were so many great recommendations. As I mentioned before the interview, I went to see two of John's stable mates who are represented by the same agency this week, and they are Tim Key and Chris Morris. They were in conversation, and they were so funny and they were at a venue that's been suggested on best of london called wilton's music hall you may remember that from the historian episode that we did with dr elizabeth ingelsom they even took the time to talk to me afterwards and i'm hoping to get them as guests on best of london soon i also went to midnight runner's ninth birthday party this week which was so much fun with a run and exercise stops and dancing on a boat on the thames until the early hours of the morning thanks so much to them for organizing such a brilliant event i'm ben affleck with one f send me an email if you have any feedback questions or if you know anyone who'd be a good guest all the contact details are in the show notes and you can email me at ben at lifemac.com that's l-i-f-e-m-a-c someone close to me had a double organ transplant so if you're wonderful enough to be okay with being an organ donor please let your loved ones know as despite the automatic opt-in their consent is still needed and that stops organs being available too often please do listen to all our other episodes they include great recommendations and insider secrets Next week, we have a very special guest, so be sure to follow or subscribe wherever you get your podcasts. And please forward this episode to a friend who you think may appreciate it. You're a truly wonderful and diligent person for taking the time to listen right until the end. I love you for that. Mm-hmm.